All right, now we are. So we're in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 18, and I'm going to be ambitious tonight, and we are going to get through chapter 4, verse 1, the, the, just the first verse. So uh, it all kind of ties together, and I think it's a, it's a great uh, passage of Scripture, a great text to read together, and um, I, I just, yeah, I love this book in, in general, but I, and I've been missing out because Hoyt's been teaching and we've been doing, doing team good and stuff, but it's been fun. So I'm going to go ahead and read the passage of Scripture together. It's, uh, it's Colossians 3, 18 through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, then we'll pray, and we will kind of talk about this passage of Scripture together. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for your word. And Lord, as we look at it today and, and talk about how this applies to our lives, uh, may we find you, again, of the greatest value and our faith in you as the greatest hope. And God, may everything that we do in our submission with others come because of our servitude to you. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds to be receptive to your word. God, it is our desire to repent of sin and God, to have clear and right thinking about the scriptures and about uh, obedience to you. So move us into places of repentance and obedience, deep faith, that we would be those who are righteous and walk by faith. And our faith is in Christ. We pray this all in his glorious name. Amen. All right. Well, as we, as we talk about this, I just want to throw the question out. Um, what, what is, why, why is it that we tend to kind of balk as soon as we read this first verse? Why, why is it that something in us seizes up and says, eh, let's, can we skip this part? Right? Okay, maybe a women's lib movement or culture. What, what's our culture saying, though? We don't want to mind? Okay, that women don't want to mind or be disobedient, or all of us, really, right? Everyone wants to. Okay, culture says that. Okay. What else? Other thoughts on that? Okay, yeah, you think, okay, we move past that. Yeah, women, women are men and men are, men are women. Right, it's, I mean, it's close. I mean, it's, the idea, it's going to an extreme, right? And it's interesting that what was fought for was, was one thing, and what is, has been accomplished is a totally different thing, right? One, one of the things I want to point out is, is that this issue um, in, in our culture has to do with, not with equality. Okay, this, this is not about equality. What is this about in our culture? Well, not in our, not in our culture, Right? But, but in our culture, what is it? it we, everyone would say, oh, we, we should have equal rights, right? It's, it's really not about equality. It's about sameness. It's about sameness. The fight, the battle in our culture has been for us to say, I am the same as that person. 
right? Equality has never been questioned in Scripture, right? Equality, that's never, and equality in, in, in the way we treat people should be absolute. I mean, it's, we are equal and we are valuable and created in the image of God. But in culture, what has happened is, is this idea of equality has been kind of clothed with the notion of really sameness. Like, it, I'm a man, and I, I'm the same as a woman. I'm a woman, I'm the same as a man. And, and we don't see that in Scripture, right? And, if, and I, would, I would even offer this. We don't even actually see that in, in culture. We don't actually see that in the way that, that roles are, are shown in culture, just by the way we live. It's like the old thing where the atheists, um, you know, they, they, they claim there is no uh, love, there is no actually, um, we're just a, m- a bunch of molecules all made up. But that same person who thinks they're just a product of these molecules firing goes in and tenderly holds their child and has this deep feeling of connection and closeness and love and compassion. It, it doesn't fit, right? It doesn't work. If you're really a practicing atheist, you couldn't go there because we're just molecules firing and it's just a synapse. It doesn't matter at all, right? All we are is matter. Nothing matters. And so, but they don't live that way. The same is true here. We want to fight for sameness, but then we see how we're so much different in different ways, men and women's roles, right? And it doesn't mean that women can't have jobs and can't, can't have respect and shouldn't have respect or equality. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're just talking about different differences. So what are some differences that we see between males and females just in life? What are differences you see? Physical strength, okay? And, and these are going to be, for the most part, physical strength, right? Because certainly I've seen some bodybuilding women that are way tougher than me, right? But physical strength, what else? Maybe patience? Who's more patient? Right? Okay, women. Men are a little more impatient. Yeah, could be, right? Nurturing, right? And Mike, you're certainly not talking about the men. You're talking about the women are more nurturing, right? I would think so, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think about that. I, I mean, when I, when I got married, I started to see the differences, right? I, I, I mean, we got this is my girlfriend, we're getting engaged, we're, she's my fiance, and it was like, we're equal, it's awesome, it's going to be this awesome ride. And we got married, it's like, wow, wait, there is, there's a difference here. Like, there is a, there is a need that she is expressing emotionally and spiritually and, and longing for, for her to, herself to be able to be entrusted to me. Not to, not to, she's not longing to surrender herself to her master. She's longing to entrust herself to someone who is godly and wants to lead and wants to love and wants to serve. I saw that in my wife. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I thought we were, we were equal here. We are, right? But there was a submission, a desire for her to, to entrust herself, right, to a man. I, I also, when I got married and then had kids, holy cow, I, I, was, I was a bit bitter at first, right? Like, why don't my kids love me? Because mom is the nurturer. They, came, they grew up in mom, they were born out of mom, and they're attached to mom for a while. That, that's just, that is, that is plain and simple, right? And the affection and the, 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 the attachment that happens there is such a beautiful thing that shows a difference. And, and you know what? I get my own type. I get, and, and now as they've grown, there is an enduring or endearing quality that my children have towards me. And they desire to, to rest and find comfort and, and safety and protection with daddy. They also run to mama and, and look for loves and hugs and kisses and tickles and all that stuff. And, and so there's differences in the way that we operate, right? It's not always that way. I'm, certainly I'm nurturing and certainly I tickle and have fun and, and we have, but it's, it's for the most part, there, there are things we see that are roles, right? That are, 
how about this? And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying a woman can't have a job as like a manager. She, that's totally fine. There are, women are very competent in, in all ways that men can be. O- almost. I mean, physical, we're talking about different things, right? But you think about just how, how sometimes how, how people respond to the authority of, of each person. Someone might respond to the same message, the same exact tone from a woman differently than they would a man. There's just, there's just something about that, right? And we think, oh, that's horrible, they're not equal. That not, does not mean they're equal, that means they are different, right? It's not, this is not about equality, this is about not being the same. We're different, right? And so when we talk about submission today and we go through this text, I would, I would refer you back to our sermon series, Strangers and Exiles, in 1 Peter. Uh, I did that last summer, I believe, or maybe the summer before. Um, but we did that and, and went through this text. I went through quite a bit. I'm going to actually share some of it from that, that sermon today, um, just talking about what this means. So when we talk about submission, though, um, our submission is not a, 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 first of all, okay, our submission says something. So let me ask this question. What, to, to people looking and watching, what can submission say or tell you? What can submission tell you? You're like, well, it depends on what's, what kind of submission, right? So uh, that's true. So what, you give me an instance of kind of the, the type of submission and what it tells the world watching. Explain, expound, expound upon that, respect. Like submission means respect? It can, it might not. Out of, out of what? So out of a different respect, right? So I, you say out of, instead, if, I, if I'm to submit myself to someone I don't respect, I'm submitting myself out of God's law because I respect God, right? And we're going to see that tonight too. That's very good. I think if, if the world looked on, if we saw the world, uh, what they saw, um, and, and what we see in the world, we see different types of submission. We see submission that is subservient. Right? It's like it, it is it, slavery, right? We look back and it's happening. Modern day slavery is all over the world. Sex slavery and human trafficking and kids and it's all over the place. And it, that's a subservient submission, right? And the world looks at that and says, I want to vomit, right? That's horrible. That's, that's wretched. And, and, and how, how dare they? How dare somebody lord it over another person, right? So when we see that and we think of submission, that, that's what we think. We think subservient, right? And subservient would mean not actually equal, right? Sub-servant, not just a servant. Christ was a servant of all, and he's called us to be a servant of all. But if I become subservient, I become a subject, I am now letting myself be sub- subjugated by somebody else. Now, there is even talk about that here in the scripture today, because we live in a society, we live in a culture who obviously esteems freedom, and we don't lord it over people. That's not what we do. But in biblical times, and even today in different parts of the world, people are slaves, right? It's happening. So when when Paul writes, and when Peter writes, and when the Lord Jesus speaks to these things, he's speaking to people who are coming to faith in Christ, who are actually masters and have slaves. And he's telling them what they should act like and what they should do. And then he's talking about, hey, these slaves who have come to faith in Christ and what their response should be to their masters, right? So there's a, it, it's, it's not saying it's not, that it's right. He is merely saying, as a Christian, this is how you and I should live our lives in submission. Because there's another kind of submission, not subservient. The other kind of sub- submission is the reverent submission. The submission because 
I, I can submit. There's this, this idea of freedom, right? Um, and, and it's interesting. I, I talked to a, a guy this week just about the nature of, of addiction and the nature of, of, you know, of legalism that goes along with that. And you have all these kinds of different programs. And I, I'm not saying you know, NA or AA is bad. I think those things are very good tools. But, but marks on a calendar can start to become God. I'm this many days sober. I'm this many days clean. Right? And if, if it becomes that God, you are, you are a slave to that. You are a slave to writing in those dates and making sure you better not, you better not, you better not. Where's the freedom? See, well, freedom says you are, you are a servant now of God and you may obey. You get to obey. It's not because you must. It's now you get to. The same is true in our kids, right? We have young kids. They tend to be more under the thumb, don't they? Like, no, this is what you, I, we're raising you. We're disciplining you. We're correcting you. We're guiding you. This is what you should be doing. This is how you should be behaving. And I'm going to enforce that. As they get older, what happens? You kind of, it flips, right? You kind, of, you kind of let the leash out a little bit. It's like, okay, listen. I, I've given you my guidance. I've told you what's right. Here's what the law says. Here's what Scripture says. Here's what I have said and told you. Now you have the freedom to choose that or not, right? We leave, let them go to college. It's like, oh, man, what are we doing? Right? They're adults. They make their own choices, and there's freedom within that. And we even have the freedom to break the law, and obviously there's consequences that may be suffered for that. But, but in, the, in the freedom, in submission, we say, you know what? I don't necessarily have to, but I'm going to. So how do we get to that place as Christ followers, right? One is first in submission to our Lord Jesus Christ, and then it's in submission to uh, hus- uh, our wives to your husbands or, or children to your parents or um, slaves to your masters or masters to the Lord or all of us to the Lord. We have to get to that place where we, where we can say, I, I can, I may, I will choose to obey in my freedom. I will choose to submit out of reverence and respect. And when you do that, there is no... I'm a subject. It's now I am, I'm willing to be a servant. Okay? So I want to give that a little bit because as we proclaim our servitude, as we, lay, as we lay down our lives, we humble ourselves in submission, we are proclaiming something. So we can humble ourselves in submission and lo- proclaim that we are a subject and that we are uh, abandoned and beaten and, and put down and, and we are destroyed. Or we can say, I'm, I am out of reverence of God and as a fear of God going to submit to whoever God has called me to submit to. Right? And that, that speaks something else to the world around us. It speaks of our love for Christ and it speaks of His excellencies and His mercies. And that's about as countercultural as you can get. But it balks and bucks the idea of sameness and embraces the idea of equality. Okay? We're going to look at the, these scriptures. Um, Today, I want to look at a little background. So we just read that text. I want to read a little background. I have went through chapter 3 of Colossians, if, you wanna, if you're there in your Bible. I'm just going to start at verse 1 and kind of hop down through that because I think it's important to set the stage and set the context. And Hoyt's talked a lot about this already. I'm just going to reiterate it. He's talking about the, night, the life of the new man is what it's talking about of chapter 3. He says, listen, if, if you've been raised with Christ, then what? Seek the things above where Christ is seated, right? Seek the things above. So you and I, as, as, as servants of God, as, as people who have faith in Christ, we seek the things above. Going down to verse 3, because you, you died, and your life now is hidden with Christ in God. So it, it's not about me anymore. It's about me and being in Christ. Now, verse 5, 
Um, therefore, it says, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. So anything you were grabbing onto, anything you were holding onto, is any culture or any, anything that the culture said was good and right and perfect, it, whatever, whatever it was, let go of it. It says, um, you died, uh, sorry, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature and list out things, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, with its, which is idolatry. Now go down to verse 8. It says, now put away all of the following. Right? These are not to be part of us. Anger and wrath and malice, slander, fi- filthy language from your mouth. Those, those should be gone from us, right? Those should be gone from us. It goes on, do not lie to one another since you have been, you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. This is, this is a whole new way of thinking, right? It's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new way of interacting and relating to people. And it goes on next in verse 11. In Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So for you and I, those who have Christ and have faith in Christ, we are all now equal, equal co-heirs with Christ to the glory of God. We are are equal co-heirs in that. And he wants to reiterate, this this is important to know. You have been elevated, whatever you were, male or female, uh, Greek or, or, or Jew, um, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, it, those are nothing anymore. It, it, Galatians says male or female, right? You are all one in Christ. It means whatever you were at, you are now elevated to a co-heir. It doesn't, it, do, it doesn't mean, though, it takes away our roles and the way we are different from one another. It just elevates and says we are equal. We are of equal value to God. In Christ, through, through faith in Christ Jesus. So because we're that way, then how do we relate? It goes on in verse uh, 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, as God's elevated ones, as God's, God's ones that are, that are co-heirs, holy and dearly loved, put on. This is an awesome verse. It's on the back wall, right? Uh, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bearing with each other and forgiving one another uh, if anyone has a grievance against another just as the lord has forgiven you so you also are to forgive one another isn't this amazing the the question is we are equal but we aren't the same we are equal how are we to relate to one another in humility and compassion and gentleness and kindness clothing ourselves with these things verse 14 what's it say above all above all That, that usually means what this is going to be important. Above all, put on, clothe yourselves with love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You see what that, that word is, unity? How do we relate to one another? In unity, because of love and, and, and humility and gentleness and compassion and patience and, and, and bearing with one another and forgiving one another. That's how we're to relate with one another. So before we get to wives submitting to your husbands, this is how we're to relate to one another. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, children to fathers. This is how we relate to one another as, as we are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the context, right? It goes, so above all, put that on. Then it says in verse 16, or it goes on, let, let, uh, be thankful. In verse 16, let the word, now you're clothing yourself, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. you know, what does that mean? What does that imply if it dwells richly among you? Be in your heart, but, but more than that. If, it, if, if, if Paul says, listen, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. What is he saying? Who's he saying this to? Who's, who's this letter to? 
A person? Is, who's it to? To people, to the church, right? At Coloss, right? So you have the church there, and, and he says, you are all to let the word of Christ dwell among you, right? And in Ephesians it says, dwell in you richly. But that among you is important because that indicates how we are to relate with one another, right? We're to relate to one another with the word of God being the spur. The word of God is what elevates. The word of God is what comes out. The word of God is what prompts us. Not pride. If we go back, clothing yourselves with humility and compassion, kindness, gentleness. Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another. How? Through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, the, the focus here is how do you relate? Here's how you relate. You love and you, you're kind and you're humble and you have compassion. And it all stems from the word of God. By the way, thank God for that. Be reminded to praise God and thank God for that. And, and do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So as we relate to one another, we do it in a certain way with thanksgiving towards God. And, and part of what I would say is this, that the way we relate to one another shows just how thankful to God we are. The less humble I am, the less thankful I am to God. The, love does, right? The idea of love does. It's action. And we love to the capacity that we've experienced God's love, right? We love because Christ first loved us. But, but we, we have to get this vertical one right, and then we relate this way. The world cuts out any vertical and just says, it's me, I elevate myself, and now let's relate. What happens when, when we do that? What happens when I elevate myself and then go out to relate with other people? What happens? It's prideful. What happens then? What happens in relationships with people? Discord. I get in a brawl. I fight all the time. It's a mess, right? It's about me and my pride and my feelings and, and my hurts and my my preferences. And, and, if, and if, if we go out in that way, everyone has their own feelings and preferences, right? Everyone has their own pride and their own thoughts. We're always going to be at war and someone's always going to have a better solution or a different take than, where, than, than what God's word says. Let the word of God dwell richly among us. Let that be the thing that provokes and starts and builds up and comes, and comes out. That informs the way we relate to one another because of the way we have been thankful to God for what he has given us through our faith in Christ. That's the context. Does that make sense? That's, that's a deep context. Now, if we can go and, and, and husbands, you can take your, husbands, you're watching this, you're taking out the Bible saying, wife, come here, check this out, verse 18. And if you don't check out verses 1 through 17, you shouldn't even talk. Don't even go. Right? Because this has to be context. I'm going to go, I want to give you some verses of context from 1 Peter. Because Peter dealt with the same thing. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like to. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is context again. Peter building the case before he says it. Before he says, wives, now do this. This is what he says. 1 Peter 2, 11 to 13. Dear friends, dear friends, I urge you, I urge you as strangers and exiles. So what's he saying? He's like, we aren't of the world. We aren't like the world. You've been called out of the world. You're God's chosen, holy, and dearly loved ones, right? As strangers and exiles, abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. We just talked about this, right? If we, if we elevate ourselves, we start to wage war. Conduct yourself. So here's it, here it is. Relationally, what God is asking. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. So we just saw in Colossians among the household of God, among brothers and sisters. Here it's even among the Gentiles. 
so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and they will glorify God on the day you visit. I think as you talk about the, the good works there, they'll see your good works. I think they're talking, he's talking about what's in Colossians. How you clothe yourselves, how you love your, love your neighbor, how you humble yourself, how you interact with other people. They'll observe that. They'll glorify God on the day he visits. Why? Because you glorified God out of, out of faith and then now you, you show off God through your actions. Verse 13. Submit to every authority, every human authority because of the Lord. Submission. So we're talking about submission now. We started there. We looked at ours already. But it submits because of the Lord. Again, our interactions with one another should come from our vertical relationship with the Father. Right? Both we saw it in Colossians, now we see it here. We see it in our, in our passage today in, in Colossians in uh, 3.18. Wives, submit yourselves to the Lord's, or to, the, to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Right? So submit your, he does not just submit to your, submit to your husbands under their thumb, under their rule, under their tyranny. Paul's saying, submit yourselves as it's fitting to, out, of, out of a relationship you have with, with Jesus. We submit. Okay? Keep your conduct honorable, is what they're saying. Keep your conduct honorable and out of that relationship with God so they might see your good deeds and they glorify God on the day he visits, right? Again, this vertical relationship with the Lord and his kingdom should be the first and then inform all other relationships. So we are submissive for the Lord's sake. We are submissive for the Lord's sake. Why? To proclaim his excellencies. Right? And, and we put our hope in Him and we display His glory through our obedience submission. It's for His glory. It's to proclaim His excellencies. So let's go to verse 18 back in Colossians. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting for the Lord. And then verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Let's, let's break this apart a little bit. I, I want to kind of give a background here and build this up because we've talked about this idea of sameness and, and equality a little bit, right? So Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Okay, give me some thoughts on this. How did God create them? In this passage, he created them how? In his own image, right? Both, both of them or one? Both. E equal? Yes, equal value, equal in the image. He created them in the image of God. Then he says, how else did he create them? He created them male and female. So he created them different. Equal and different. So it's not about equality, right? We are, we are equal. It's about difference. Genesis 3.16, this is the curse. Here's what happened. Here's why culture is the way it is. Here's how we... Read Colossians 3.18 and kind of get a, oh, in our gut because we know what people are thinking, right? The curse came down. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. And it goes on. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. What this is saying is this. Since that point on, the wife and culture, it, it, women have tried to control their men. The next part of it, yet he will rule over you. And what we see is men have tried since that time to dominate their women. We understand that's what scripture is saying here. Women will try to control their husbands and men will try to dominate 
their wives. And this is part of the curse. It's not supposed to be that way, right? It's supposed to be different when it comes to the people of God who are strangers and exiles to the ways of the world and whose lives, we see in Colossians, are hidden with Christ in God. So let's look at the wives' responsibility and then let's look at the husband's responsibility. Can we do that? And then we'll look at all our responsibility, which we kind of started with, right? What do you, let's go, uh, w- w- at first glance, what do you think is the wives' responsibility here? What's, what's said? Wives, submit to your husbands. That's the wives' responsibility. So we have to kind of define that and figure that out and what does that look like? And, and it does, it will always seem out of balance. And why? Because of the word submit. We think subservient, subjective, like under, un- underneath, subpar. Submit is not that in this instance. I, I want to read 1 Peter, back, back in 1 Peter chapter 3 now. We'll be back and forth between these two if you want to put your, your finger there, rhythm there. First Peter 3, 1 through 6. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that. I love that, right? So that. And we know in Colossians, submit yourselves as fitting to the Lord. And here we say, submit so that. Even if some, that is husbands, disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. What about the way their wives live? What, what is the way their wives live? What is the submission of a woman doing for the glory of God? Let's go on. The, when they observe, right? They're, they're observing this wife's submission and, and they're seeing pure and reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles or of jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. So when we submit in these ways, ladies, when, when, when you're called to submit in these ways, who are you really submitting to? God. And you're doing what is worthwhile and of great value in God's sight. And what is it saying about you? Verse 5. In the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves this way. So what, what is it saying about women who submit themselves to their husband in this way of, of, of inward beauty of, uh, and adorn themselves with great worth in God's sight? It's saying that they have put their hope in God. Their hope is not in what culture thinks. Their hope is not in what their husband thinks. Their hope is in God. They've also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. And it goes on, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. This can be real fun and dicey sometimes, but let's go on. You have, it says, you have become her children, Sarah's children, when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. So if, if women are called to, to submit without fearing intimidation, what kind of submission is that? And we kind of had two, I mean, there's multiples. We had two types, right? One was, one was submission in like, in, in fear and being a subject and subservient. And one was a submission out of reverence and fear of God. So which submission is this? When women, women submit and honor God and put their hope in God and they do so without fear of intimidation. It's reverence. It's reverence to God. <laughs> I mean, what, what can your husband do to you? Your, your master is not your husband. Your master is God. 
And that, that's really the crux of submission, right? I have figured out that my master is really Jesus Christ. And out of that understanding, out of that depth in my heart, I can now interact with whoever I'm around in respect and in, in love and in compassion and humility and in gentleness and even if I get mistreated because I'm not doing it out of intimidation. I already fear the one I need to fear, and that's God. Going on, Proverbs 31. Arm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. It's different, right? You fear the Lord. I've, I, listen, I've met women who, uh, under, under the authority of Scripture, submit to their husbands, and they are, they are actual, like, subjects and servants. There is, they are just, they are so beat down. They are so, and I'm like, this is not good. You can't, you can't be in this. This is not healthy. This, and, and they, oh no, no, it's good. I need to submit to my husband. But you need to submit to the Lord first. There needs to be a freedom. So and then I've talked to women on the other side who, who are like, I, I am so good with, with my, my, my Lord, my Savior. I, I, I will love and serve my family and my husband as any, any way he calls me to. Because I I, 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 my relationship with God is what it should be goes on about this idea of fearing the Lord and the woman being praised. We see it in Romans 1 and, and just Paul talking about the gospel itself. He says about the gospel, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not, not going to cower. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And he says the righteous will live by faith. So when we talk about the righteous living by faith, we talk about you and I saying, I'm going to live and walk by faith, honoring God, reverently, reverently fearing God. And my relationships with people are going to, to flow out of that. And my hope is that they will see that I'm not ashamed of the gospel and that the power of the gospel that has changed my life and changed the way I've, I have reverence and submission, that they will see that and they will see my good works and they'll glorify God on the day he visits. We see in our text, right? The righteous will live by faith. So let's talk about what submission is. And what submission is not. Okay, we'll start with what it's not. What I, I, this is my list of things I think it's not. Submission is not agreeing on all important matters. Okay, I, I, yeah, you're right. Let's just do that. It's not, not having to agree. And especially with First Peter passage, we're talking about Peter talking to women who are in relationships with unbelieving husbands. Do you think they're going to make some really important decisions that are bonehead mistakes? Absolutely. Should women just roll over and agree? Absolutely not. That is not what submission means. It does not mean leaving your brain at the altar. Like, oh, okay, I got married. Now I'm not my own person anymore. I can't think for myself. It's not okay. And just think about that. Think about your brain. It's, it's your heart and your, your mind is connected. And where should that be connected? To reverent fear of God and not fear or intimidation of someone else. That you put your hope in God. You've adorned yourself with the things that are of great worth in God's sight. Your mind is fully intact. You, you are not leaving at the altar. Right? You, you, are, you are not just, okay, I'm going to shut up and be silent now. No, my, my allegiance is to my Lord. And that shows through. It does not mean avoiding the effort to change or persuade somebody. Right? My wife has a voice, and I, want, I, I value that. I value the way she's different than me. Do you, do you understand that? Like, like how valuable it is to have somebody different I think I, I'm going through a premarital counseling book with, with some couples, right? And, and one of the things in this book, it talks about you know, like this idea of differences and how, how we tend to be like, 
all, all kind of like, yeah, I love you, you're so great. We're, we're in, that dating, in that dating stage, right? You get dating with somebody, and you're like, this is exciting. We have some common interests. It's fun. Yeah, you're kind of quirky, and you're kind of a dork in some ways, and ah, it's not my thing. But whatever, I'll just kind of overlook that. And then you've signed it, you, you, your relationship develops, and you grow further, and it starts to kind of like, I don't like the way that person's different, right? And then you're like, ah, it's not, I, I don't, it's not, it rubs me the wrong way. Well, why? Because it makes me feel out of sorts, right? We don't like difference. But what, what really happens in a, in a strong relationship, what you start to see is, is to say, okay, you know what? I, I want to I value that person's differences because their differences make up for my indifferences or my deficiencies in my, my relationship, right? So it, for me as a husband, as, a, as a, just a human being in relationship with somebody else, I need to come to the place where I value someone else's opinion. I value a different take or a different side or a different angle. I value a different viewpoint. So it doesn't mean you have to be on the same page all the time and agree. It doesn't mean that, that, that you should not have a voice, right? Or not, not be able to persuade or change. It does not mean also, and submission does not mean putting the will of the husband ahead of the will of Christ. Right? Certainly not. Same with children. We'll see in a minute. That's, that's certainly not the case. God is not saying, children, obey your, obey your parents and everything. Especially, in a, in a, in a, or even if they say to do something against me. He is, that is not. He, he, why? Because we know he is our master. Vertical before the horizontal. Right? Love God, then love others. That's how this works. So submission is not putting the will of the husband above Christ. And it's not getting your spiritual strength from your husband. Okay, w- ladies, that, that should, yes, I, as a man, I want to be spiritually strong. I want to, to impart that to my wife and my children and, 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 lean, and lean into them and, and pour into them. But I also find strength in their strengths. But ultimately, my spiritual strength comes from who? Jesus, right? And, and the Word of God and by His Spirit. And my wife should too. My wife should too. So it is not finding, finding or getting spiritual strength through the husband. It, it, you can have access to spiritual strength and tools to point to Jesus. But it's not that kind of submission. Submission is also not acting in fear. It's not acting in fear. So what is submission? I, I kind of, this is a, a, a definition. Submission is the divine calling of a wife to joyfully and fearlessly honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help him carry it out according to her gifts for the sake of the gospel as, as she hopes in Christ. As she hopes in Christ. That's submission. I will. It's the divine calling of a wife to joyfully and fearlessly, right? Where does that come from? This, right? To joyfully and fearlessly honor and affirm her husband's leadership. Not his will, his leadership. Entrusting herself to the differences that are in that relationship, right? Uh, so, so affirming her husband's leadership and to help carry it out according to her gifts. How she's wired, how she's gifted, how she's different for the sake of the gospel. And she does that as she hopes in Christ. Hope is in Christ. And, and when your hope is in Christ, it, it becomes that, that happy, joyful, fearless desire. To just, I'm going to lay down my life. Now, it's hard. It's hard to do that. We have to remind ourselves of our hope in Christ every day. 
right? And I, and I get it as a husband, too. I, I want to lay down my life for my family. I want to lay down. But, but man, I tell you, even tonight, tonight is, it's team kit. I've got I've to focus when I leave here because I will have spent a lot, and I've been here all day spending a lot. And as we go home, it's bedtime. I can be harsh with my children and irritated with them because they're not moving as fast as I think they can be or should be. Right? I can, I can, I can be upset because they, somehow they forgot how to brush their teeth by themselves. Or I can go home knowing, you know what? I am going to joyfully lay down my life because my hope is in Jesus and, I'm, and my, I'm, I'm setting aside my own agenda for the glory of God and for the benefit of my family. Guys, that is a decision. Driveway drive after driveway drive I have to make. Every time I turn into my house. I have to remind myself, my job is not done. I am going to serve the Lord and serve my family. Right? Until they are all asleep, right? Or, or until we're all dead, or I'm dead, right? Until I go home to see Jesus. That's what we're going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Why? So that we may proclaim the excellencies Proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us, saved us. What's a husband's responsibility? Well, Colossians 3.19, what's it say? Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Some translations say harsh. Love your wives and don't be harsh towards them. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is coming right after the, the talk about women. Husbands, I love this next phrase. In the same way. Huh. Equal, right? Equality. Husbands, likewise, because you are created in the image of God, because you're, you're, you're supposed to have a relationship with Christ and that your hope is in Christ. In the same way, not because you're the same, because you're equal. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner. That's interesting, right? Because we read that like, oh, I don't want to, I don't, no one wants to be the weaker partner. I, I had a conversation this week with a, a gal in our church who was looking at the Genesis story with her children and teaching and like, like it was talking about Adam and Eve and, and God created Eve to be a what? Helpmate. And she's just like, why does he have to use that word helpmate? It's just so like, uh, it means like subservient. We think subservient, right? So we think of submission, we think of helpmate. We're like, no, 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 no. This is, this is a, a companion, a co-equal heir of, of God. But it's, it's a, her, her differences, her, her strengths benefit my weaknesses, right? So in a relationship in my family, like I, I, th- I, I live and breathe and desire the strengths of my wife to be a help and support where I cannot do it, right? It's th- that, and and what, what it, think about Adam. I, don't know, I have this somewhere around here. Yes, yeah, pretty quick. Um, the idea of Adam, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before Eve was created, you remember the, the, what happened with Adam? Adam was, was naming the animals. And what, what happened? Why was Eve created? Couldn't find an equal, right? So, so Matt, you say something? He was, she was created for him because of the animals, of all the animals that the Lord God had made, none of them were companions. Were none, none were equal. None, none would be able to, be serve, to serve with him, right? None. The animals could serve him. Like, pull my... Pull my cart or do my feet. I mean, they're obviously they're, they could be uh, subject, subjected to his authority. He was to rule over and have dominion over the earth, right? But that, that, went, that command went to Adam and Eve. Eve was created because there was no one that was that equal. No one that was that companion. 
right? So when we talk about we see weaker vessel, it's like, oh, that's, here we go again. I'm, I might as well be a, a donkey. That's not it at all, right? There, there was no donkey that was worthwhile or valuable that could be used for Adam as a companion. But Eve was, and what did he say? I'll name her woman, whoa man, right? Woman, because she is what? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She is, she is the equal. She is the companion to me. So when Peter says, in the same way, live with your wives in an, in an understanding way, to understand what? That they are a weaker vessel. Showing them honor. So we understand that they are weaker. And what's the, what's the encouragement from Scripture then? Thus, show them honor. Show them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. There's a lot of theology there too. We're going to talk about these two things, though. Weaker partner and honor as co-heirs. What we see here from the Colossians passage and the First Peter passage is that within the Christian household, the patience and forgiveness which are shown as attributes to those who are in Christ, right? Coupled together with this compassion and kindness and forgiveness and humility and gentleness, right? Uh, they will forbid Christian, those things will forbid Christian men from treating anyone harshly, especially their wives. The, the, in the same way, love them in an understanding way and honor them. Our Colossians verse says, husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh or bitter towards them. You can say that because you just showed what we're supposed to be in relationship to one another from the Lord, right? In Christ, there is a new way to love and lead your family. And that is out of humility, out of humility. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy and, and cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word out of humility. What does that mean for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church? Sacrificially. It means sacrificially. We're to lay down our lives. And I think about that, like I said, every drive home, almost every drive, as often as I can, my drives home, as I turn up my driveway, I'm, Brandon, lay down your life for your family. Lay down your life for your family. Love your family. Don't be harsh towards them. Don't be bitter towards them. Love your family because I've loved you. And I want you to treat them the same. We, treat, we, we, we love them out of, out of humility. And, and the truth is this, for men, we are called to lead our families. We are called to be head. But how is it that we are head? We do so through humble service to our family, laying our lives down. The first will be last, and the last will be first. If you want to be ahead, you have to be last and lay down your life. We talk about weaker vessel. The idea of this weaker vessel part for women, for, for the most part, women are physically weaker. And there is an, a, a desire in, in women created in them by God, His design, as, as even as they are equal co-heirs to the glory of God. They are created differently, and in them there is that design and that need to entrust themselves into the protective arms of the man, right? And, and the next thing I'll hear is, I don't need no man. Yes, yes, you do. And so do your children. And so do the grandchildren. And yes, you do. Yes, we talked about this for foster care, right? These foster kids, they need men in their lives as much as they need the women in their lives. And they need, they need that because God has made us different, and it's, it's important for men as heads to lead and serve and protect their family. So we, we do. We serve and we protect and we provide and we lead and we, we have an ambition and initiative in our family to, to 
make sure the direction is going in the right way. That's the role. That's the, and by the way, that's the burden. Some people say, oh, oh you just, you're taking authority. No, that is the burden of responsibility put on us by God. It's not something we've taken. We talked about this when we talked about elders in our church, right? We preached through this series called Why Elders before we installed elders in our church. It was, it was not, I, I guarantee you, in our church, it is not one of those awesome cush things to be an elder. It is, it is one of those things like, oh my goodness, if I do this, I am going to sacrifice everything I can. And it's, it is going to be brutal and painful, but if, it is, if I am called to that and I aspire to that, it will be for the glory of God. Because elders, like men and their families, love, love and uh, lead their church by serving their church humbly and graciously. We are not the same. The structure of the family is a division of labor also, right? D- division of tasks and things. And obviously, it doesn't say thou shalt, man, thou shalt wash dishes and woman shalt clean the floor. It doesn't have that. There's different, I, I, I can wash the dishes or I can clean the floor. I can, guys, you can clean the toilet and you can also change a diaper. Okay, I believe in you. You can do it. But it's a division of labor because of our differences. And in that division of labor, being subordinate does not imply inferiority. Because a man is a leader, he is going to lead his, his family how? Through humble love and serving them. Right? But at, because there is a leader doesn't mean that someone is just inferior. God does not call women to be doormats or to be slaves in the way that they relate to their husbands any more than God calls men to exercise tyranny over their wives. That's not the call on either side. But we think about this idea of co-heirs and, and, and the idea of weaker vessels, right? Co-heirs of the grace of life is what, what women are, what we are, right? Um, we need to understand that, though. She might, in most cases, be the weaker vessel, right? And, and we have different roles. That's okay. She is still a co-heir in, through her faith in Christ. She is a princess who must be treated as an equal companion, like we've talked about in Adam and Eve. She is to be treated that way. She is a co-heir. She is a, she is a princess, a daughter of the king, and we are princes, a, a son of the king. She is to be treated like that. We are to be treated like that. So honor for your wife is shaped by this. It's shaped by, by the knowledge of her as a weaker vessel. We know that. So we humble ourselves and love and serve and lay down our lives to serve and protect and lead our, lead our family humbly. And, and as, the, as we treat them with knowledge of them being the weaker vessel and as knowledge of them as co-heirs of the grace of life, we have to understand they are, they are, we do not demean them. They are equal in that way. So if we try to demean her, one of these, the co-heirs part, will check us, right? And if we try to say we have no differences and we're totally the same, the other will check us. They are the weaker vessel and you're to lead. So there's a, there's a check there. But it still says equal, just not the same. Equal, just not the same. Husbands, you carry, as a Christian husband, the responsibility and the burden of having a superior strength, for the most part, right? For the, for the sake of. And, and, and I would say this even, for, for men that may feel like they don't have physical strength, it's an inner strength that God gives us, an inner strength. For the sake of protecting and providing for and leading your wife, right, through the the threats and challenges of life, all the while realizing that they are a fellow heir of God, right? A breathtakingly glorious human being who Matthew says in Matthew 13, or Matthew Jesus, will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. 
It says it about anyone that's in Christ. You're going to shine like the sun. She's going to shine like the sun. So we have the women's role and we have the man's role, but it all comes from this relationship, right? The relationship between us and God. So what about the rest of us? And we're, we got, we're almost out of time, I'm, and I'm going to bust through this. Look at, look at Colossians 3, 20 and 21. So children, and we can kind of apply what we've already learned here, but children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Right, again, it, it, obey your parents because it pleases the Lord. Why submit to your husbands as is fitting under the Lord? So you see, you see this thing, it's under the Lord. Right? And then fathers, do not exacerbate your, your children so they won't become discouraged. Right? I, I, imagine if I went home with harshness and like big, tall expectations that they could never, uh, never um, come under and fall under. What would happen? They would just get tired and I can't do it. I fold. I can't do it. Ephesians, Paul writes this about the children relationship to parents. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. I, I think about this verse sometimes. I'm like, kids, obey your parents so you're going to live. <laughs> right? So you live. And, and that's a little out of context, but sometimes I feel that way, right? And, and in Ephesians, fathers, fathers. And, and why is he saying fathers? Why does he say children to your parents, but then he, then he singles out fathers in both of our contexts? I feel cheated. Shouldn't the women do this too? Right? I, no. I, fathers. We're different. Different roles. And certainly women, moms should be the same. But fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's the, the role of the father, to make sure that that is occurring and happening, and, and he's not exacerbating them. He's not stirring up anger in them. He's not causing them to be bitter, right, and become discouraged. Children are encouraged to be obedient to their parents. They're commanded that. They're commanded to be obedient to their parents. And specifically, fathers are mentioned here, right? Because I, I know and I believe and I see it in the scriptures, it's their role as head and servant leader in the house to do that. That's their, that's their job. They're urged, fathers are urged not to irritate their children or be unreasonable in their demands so their children would not lose heart, right? And come to a think that, that it's useless trying to please their parents. I, I've seen that in youth ministry as I was a youth pastor. I've seen so many parents put on these high and lofty goals, and these kids are just like, I, I can't. I can't ever do that. I want you to think about what that, what's a picture of. Right? When, when we push religion on people, we push something on them, and Jesus said this about the religious elite, didn't he? He said, what are you doing? You're putting weights on them that they will never be able to carry. You can't. It, it's religion. If I force that at my children, they're going to feel the same way that those people feel about religion. It's like this, all this legalism, all these rules, all these I have tos and thou shalt and thou shalt not. It's all this stuff. Yes, there's a way to live and be in line with God and His scriptures and the Spirit. But as parents, we are, we are there to be instruments of grace. We are to be a means of grace, a tool of grace used by God. God has given you to your children as a gift don't become a curse instead. We don't want to have the heavy burdens of, of legalism. We want us to, to live in the grace of freely obeying. Going back to the very beginning of this, right? I said, in freedom, there is no you must, you must, you must. In freedom is we let that leash go. We let those kids out a little further and say, listen, you, you may now obey. 
I'm going I'm to let you know what's best, and you may not obey. And we ought to want that, because that's God's grace to us. Okay? So that's parents and children. Again, children are, 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 would not be encouraged to break God's law in following their parents. They need to go against that. But when they, in Colossians, let's go to the next part of it, verses uh, 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. Now it switches from children to slaves. We could say servants. You could, if you want to apply it to your life, you could even say uh, employee today. But back then it was slaves. He's talking to slaves, people who actually were indentured servants to other people and who became Christians through their knowledge of, of God and the Scriptures, and they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now they're, now they're saved indentured servants. And he, and he has, has something to say to them. What, what do they say? He say? Obey your human masters and everything. Oh, man. Again, this is the same exact thing as it is with the Lord, right? And we saw this in Colossians, and we see this in um, Ephesians, and we see this in, uh, in Peter as well, and we see this in Titus. It, it's, it's because of the Lord, because of our relationship with the Lord. Let's look at this. Do, don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly. What's it say? Fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. Not the master. Not your, your boss. Fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart. As something done for the Lord, not for people. Knowing that you will receive a, the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. Now listen, this is our marching order. This is our instruction. Why are we doing this? Because we know that we will receive a reward. What is that reward? An inheritance from the Lord. It, it, it does not promise anything within the relationship that I have. It promises nothing. That person can continue being however they are, I am called to focus on something else. That this is the inheritance I have from the Lord. And he goes on, you serve the Lord Christ. And honestly, that could just be closing remarks today. You serve the Lord Christ, period. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever he has done wrong. And there is no favoritism. I love this. That there, that's, that's another promise. You serve the Lord. Why? Because one day there will be a reckoning. One day, everyone will give an account. And on that day, there is no favoritism. There is no partiality. God will be ultimately just. And for you and I, who have put our faith in Jesus, that justice of God has been satisfied through Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. So you and I have hope in him, and now we can joyless, joy, joyously and fearlessly love God and then serve other people and serve others and submit to others. Why? Because there will be a day. There will be a day. And we, on that day, will stand acquitted because of Christ. There is no favoritism. And in chapter 4, verse 1, masters, so he, now he switches it over to masters, just one line. Deal with your slaves justly and fairly. Not, right, not harsh, not, not like everyone else deals with their slaves. You deal, deal justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. You're, you're not the boss of anybody. You be just and fair. I want to show one last passage, Titus chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything as to, uh, as to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness. So that. You know, you know I love so that's, right? I circle them, I square them all the time. So that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Adorn. This sounds familiar from Colossians, right? 
Clothe yourselves, adorn yourselves with kindness and humility and compassion and love, right? Above everything else, adorn yourselves with love. And you may adorn uh, the teaching of God, our Savior, in everything. So as we submit, as we are faithful, what we see is God being exalted, God being elevated, and, and the teaching of the God's grace being there. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's what we're about, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. And, and here's why. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever relationship we're in, the vertical relationship we have established with God through faith in Jesus Christ is what upholds us and what reminds us that that is what we look forward to. No matter the relationship and how it goes, we are to clothe ourselves and adorn ourselves. And as we do, we do it eagerly waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I'm going to stop there. This is, this is our glorious promise that we have to hold on to. This is our glorious joy. This is our glorious reality of faith in Christ. And it's our glorious hope. So those things should allow us then to submit, to submit. Amen? Why don't you pray with me and then we'll uh, have a Q&A time. Father, thanks so much for your word. God, we ask that you would continue to give us insight from it, continue to, to bolster our faith. And God, help us understand how, how we are to submit in multiple different ways we've talked about tonight. Maybe as, as children, Lord, as as wives or as servants. But God, we do it because we have reverence in you and for you. We love you and we thank you for that. God, help us to always embrace your truth and your word and not be caught up with the world or culture or what they would say is necessary. God, we, we can embrace our differences all the while remaining in the truth that we are equal created in the image of God and through faith in Christ, there is no male or female, Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free. We are all one in Christ. We are the Lord's servants, the Lord's freed men. We thank you for that. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.